polystyrene of X-ray specs in her own words, presented by That Record Got Me High and Is This Tomorrow. Is This Tomorrow is a weekly webcomic cataloging the absurdities taking place at the Zorro News Channel. That's Is This Tomorrow at isthistomorrow.com since 1993. I chose the name polystyrene because it's a lightweight, disposable product. Yeah, it sounded alright, because I thought it was a send-up of being a pop star. It's like a little figure, not me, being polystyrene. Just plastic, disposable. That's what pop star sort of meant to me, and so therefore I thought I might as well send it up. We're obsessed with the sound of our own voices. Yes. Well, that's how it goes. That's the way it goes. There are. Um, so. You want to do it? Yeah, man. You gonna? Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. But I think. Oh, bondage! Up yours! One, two, three, four! Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And once again, we are live at Laser Wolf. Let's hear it, everyone, for Laser Wolf. <laughs> live in the Laser Wolf Beer Studio with Chris Bellis, our awesome host. Uh, I just shot that off. I thought you'd be out already with that, Barry. I'm sorry. I our first foul pow of the evening. We just started. Faux pas. <laughs> Faux pas. Faux pas. Whatever. I don't speak French. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't a, think anybody's worried about that at this point. As usual, in the beer closet, we have a special guest tonight. And Barry, who is our special guest? Mitzi Velez. Welcome, Mitzi, to That Record Got Me High. <laughs> Welcome. Are you excited on a scale of 1 to 10? How excited are you to be doing this? I'm pretty 10. Uh, 10, 10, right? Yeah. yeah. I, will yeah. Let, I will say Mitzi's had at least six beers, I think, since she's been here. No. So she'll be... <laughs> no, not six. Okay. Well... Maybe five. You better get get down that one, and then we'll get you another free one going. <laughs> All right, there. so, Missy, tell us the record uh, and band that you picked for us to talk about tonight. I picked Germ-Free Adolescence by X-Ray Specs. Awesome, you did. And and I want to go back to our very first uh, episode we did uh, last year in July. We had Chuck, we were talking about it, the Chuck Livid episode. That's where, right. Oh, the bikini kill. The bikini <laughs> kill, which, which uh, afterwards we realized it was a mistake to just have three. Well, not a, mis- not a mistake. Uh, to have three dudes three sitting dudes talking about, about bikini kill. I think I mentioned something about that beforehand. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Chuck really wanted to do Sorry, it, though. we'll blame Chuck. It's Chuck's fault. Well, no, he had Love a vote. Chuck. He set up an online, and you complained about about him being a millennial and him having an online vote, and there was four records. All true things. There was Nirvana. There was Bikini Kill. There was um, what are the other records? Anybody remember? Uh, who cares? They were horrible. Uh, no, they were fine. They were all okay records. <laughs> no, the Queers. I forget. The Queers was one record. Yeah. I, said, I did say to him, you should probably not do that record. Yeah. And he was like, that record. What a shock, Mitzi. We're yeah. like two minutes in, and uh, Tim's on. <laughs> Tim's right. on the podcast already. <laughs> Uh, Mitzi and Tim uh, apparently have some sort of relationship. (laughs) 
Tim Moffat, our two-time guest. Yeah, two-time guest. Apparently, he's bucking for three-time right now during Mitzi. This is Mitzi's time, Tim, all right? This is Mitzi's time to shine. No, you can sit there. Just Oh, that's yeah. true. All right. Well, maybe later. When we ask you to talk, you can talk. <laughs> We're going to cut all this out anyway. All right. So. Uh, Mitzi, so Mitzi, all right, so explain to me. All right. So what I was saying was then you were here at that episode, and I saw you were you were keeping your mouth shut, and yes. I know you were thinking, uh, you know what, these, these dudes, you know, talking about Bikini Kill, because you're obviously a big fan, right? Absolutely, You're a big yeah. and, and you just saw them recently, their reunion thing, right? We're actually going Friday. We're flying up to New York to see them. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. So this will be my first time seeing them. All right, so let me ask you, who did you hear first? Did you hear Bikini Kill first or X-Ray Spice? I actually heard Bikini Kill first. That's what I figured. Yeah. I figured. That makes sense, yeah, because Bikini Kill was like right, like... About the 92, right. I think that's when... Germ-free adolescence actually got released in the states for the first time. There was a reissue, so. right? Because it was never yet came out. And in that was the first time I heard it. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, came out in 1978. But when you when you heard it, and especially like when you hear the song "Oh Bondage Up Yours," you realize, oh, okay, that's you know there was something yeah. before. Obviously, because you obviously knew there yeah. was. That's stuff That's the blueprint before. for sure. Whether whether Polysiren meant it to be that way or not, it, it definitely right. laid out the uh, framework for the Riot Girl movement. Yes, sure. right. Yeah. It definitely did. Yeah. Well, the vocal stylings of, you know, Kathleen Hanna, def- you Especially go, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait a some, second. Yeah, she heard some X-ray yeah. specs. Yeah, for sure. And you can't say enough about polystyrene, just her voice is like such a big <laughs> part of this band. It's, it's Yeah, polystyrene is this band. Let's just, the band is great, great, great players, but with, the, she's the overarching it's like Radiohead without Tom yeah. York. Yeah. She or wrote all the songs. She, she made all, all the costumes. She made all the flyers. Right. She did everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. right. The one. The the one other thing that stands out a lot is the use of sax. Wait, I mean, uh-huh. we're hearing bells, but not the uh, not the um, not the, the train horn because we don't have train horn anymore, right? Right. So because they uh, decide, Chris, did they, did they decide enough people weren't getting killed enough right, yet? The, so they, let's take the, the horn death rate out. wasn't high <laughs> enough. Those quiet times in the saxophone is also a big part, especially bass. True, true. You didn't yes. hear that early punk. You didn't no, hear much sax. That's was a... actually the first thing that grabbed me because I was playing saxophone at the time. All I right. played saxophone really? from the age of 13 till I was 20, so I'd already gotten in, you know, the whole Candy Kill thing, and then I heard this band, and I was like, what is this saxophone? Like, I've right. never heard any punk band with saxophone, so that was the first thing that, like, drew my attention aside from her right. voice and, yeah, and, oh, wait a second. Oh, there. Goodbye, train. <laughs> and so the original bass player was actually a woman named Laura Logic. Oh, I didn't. Sax player. Oh. Sax, sax player was Laura Logic. And she was when she was in the band, she was uh, 15 years old. Right. When she was in this band. Yeah. Uh, and then she didn't She didn't even record. She's not on this album. She's one uh, single, I think, right? Yeah. The, yeah. She played on the first single, uh, which was uh, The Old Bondage Up Yours. And right. Then, uh, and then the B-side of that. Yeah. But, we're so gonna here, get back to this. So uh, besides uh, the aforementioned polystyrene, uh, we have Jack Airport Jack. on guitar, which his actual name is Jack Stafford. Uh, we got Paul Dean on bass. We got Rudy Thompson, uh, who played the saxophone on this uh, record, is Rudy Thompson, and BP Hurling played drums. Yeah, Hurling. And and also, uh, Barry, did you realize that the guitar player uh, uh, Jack Airport and BP Herding after this, because this band only lasted the Very original short. band for three years. Three years, but they really only did this. I mean, it was it was some singles. They did about yeah. three or four singles. singles. Yeah, and then this album. Yeah. Uh, the guitar player and the drummer formed Classics Nouveau. That band Classics. Oh really? Nouveau. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which well, had a couple of hits. Yeah, a couple of hits. Yeah. 
not quite of the same uh, stature and historical right. uh, greatness as X-ray specs. Okay, so Mitzi, you got so you got this so so this was released and what made you get it? Did, did you hear about them or did uh, you see the actually, cover? Actually, a friend of mine had gotten a dub, you know, the dub tape copy from somebody oh, that nice. probably yeah. got the CD when it came out and then right. that's how I heard it and right. that was it. I was like mind blown because I'd never heard anything like that at least at that point aside from Bikini Kill. And, right. Uh, yeah, because so there's a couple of influences on this that are, um, to me, kind of, or um, stand out and that is that are not typical, that are not like the first punk they're not like the first punk influences they're more like glam influences is that there's the Roxy music the sax comes for me is like Roxy and the sound of some of it is like um, Here Come the Warm Jets the first Eno record there's kind of a a different thing going on there there is of course that classic some of it sounds like first Clash album, like some of the right. <laughs> I was gonna say that, yeah. Some of it definitely remind me of the Clash. So, were you already into like, were you a punk kid at this point, like yes, in the nineties? You were a punk kid. Yeah. Okay, you were. What do you say? Yeah, like I would. No, I don't know. Maybe you were into <laughs> disco. Maybe you were into opera. I don't know. I was actually more into hardcore at that time, but then I had heard, you know, the whole Bikini Kill thing, and it got me, drove me a little more into the good. That's punk, I'm glad that got you out of. So I went a little backwards. Uh, good. Yeah. I'm glad that got you out yeah. of hardcore. <laughs> so you got this. Uh, you got this uh, record. Now, did the record, did the CD you got, did it have lyrics in it? So were you able to read the lyrics or do you no, remember? No, I didn't read the lyrics till many years later when I actually got my first like physical copy of the album. Oh, okay, okay. So, so yeah. I mean, she's pretty good. She sings, you could kind of, although, but she's got that accent, so some things. Oh, I'm yeah, sure you could probably misheard, misinterpret. Right? There was a lot of things I misinterpreted in yeah. before me, I actually me read too, it. Me too, and yeah. I realized now doing it, I realized, yeah, definitely. But she's a really good uh, writer. And she doesn't. I like. Uh, I like the fact that she doesn't write about uh, a traditional themes at all, or even sometimes what you think a song might be about. Yeah, she was definitely up. ahead of her time. That's for sure, as far as subject matter and her writing style for that time. Right. Yeah. And and just the fact that she was she was so cool. She was first. Uh, she was um, she was part Scottish. Uh, yep. And Somalian. Uh, Somali. And Somalian. Yeah. Her yeah. Dad was Somali. And she just had this look. She had braces at the time. She was 19 when this record was born. Insane. She had braces. The braces still. just make, and the braces make her look about five years younger. So she looks like she's about 14. Yeah. And she just had just the present. Her presence yeah. was so just uh, so cool, but so like different than any anyone else. Yeah, she yeah. definitely wasn't playing the uh, sex sex card for the 70s. No, that's no, for no, sure. definitely she not. She was working against it. Oh, well, she was quoted as saying, "If they, yeah. as soon as they start thinking I am, I'm going to shave my head." Yeah. <laughs> Which there's a great yeah. quote. I read that um, Jaw Wobble, the uh, PIL basis, public image basis, Jaw uh, Jaw Wobble described her as a as a strange girl who often talked of. Uh, Hallucinating, and we'll get to well, that later. That comes Why up later. Uh, yeah, talking yeah. About right. Yep. But the thing that's cool that he said was that uh, John Lydon, Johnny Rotten, although he really liked the band, he liked them. He said, uh, he said, uh, although John uh, admired her, John also said uh, she freaked, uh, she freaked him out. So imagine good. someone freaking yeah. John Lydon. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yes. It's like good for you, Bobby. Yeah, right. Yeah, good for you. Um, yeah, so uh, what we were alluding to was that she, uh, I, 
I think the fact that this this album is so great, you listen to it and you go, my God, imagine if this band had stayed together. Right. But I get the feeling that she it, it wouldn't have worked out for her because she just wasn't built to be... No. Uh, well, she's as a being a front person that your constantly demands on are you are much greater than on anyone else in the band because you're the visual, you're the only woman in the band. You're the visual symbol of the band. You have a unique style. You wrote all the songs. You're the singer. You're the focus of attention. So right. the other guys can go out somewhere and basically be anonymous if they want to be. Not if you're polystyrene. Everywhere you go, it's like, oh, that's polystyrene from X-ray specs. Which makes you wonder why she downplayed her, uh, you know, her femininity so much. And, right. You know. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So eventually, she was initiated into the Hare Krishna movement in 1983, and but uh, and also she was diagnosed. Eventually, she was. Uh, well, first bipolar. she was first she was diagnosed as schizophrenic, and then she was actually the English version of committed, sequestered right. or something. What, misdiagnosed, right? Misdiagnosed. misdiagnosed yeah. But she said it actually was good for her because it got her away from the from scene music and all the music scene. She was scene. smart enough to realize that it, it wasn't for it her. Work. It wasn't for her. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And and that's awesome. That it wasn't but she still put out this uh this great record, right? Right. That the- that got Mitzi high <laughs> a little later on. So this record it came out in 1978. Oh, uh, were you born? Were I was you? born in 78. You were. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, that's kind of good. That's poetic. Yeah, really, uh, it came out on EMI in uh in England and actually it it did pretty good it had some the singles on it did right. pretty good but it never uh, it wasn't released in the US at all and uh, it's a very until like Mitzi said until right. like it was the 92 yeah. Yeah. right it's and I'm sh- I'm sure I heard it because I know people that you know it was it was never not familiar to me especially Oban the Jeff yours um, so people you know we must have gotten out of the import bin at Record City or whatever right. um, so it was you know people had it it wasn't like it was unavailable but it was an import and you had to know what you were looking for yeah. and uh, alright so let's get let's get into this record let's see how this works You get the CD, and you hear this the first song that comes on, and you're like, you're sold already, right? Oh, I was just like, what <laughs> is this? I've never heard this kind of voice, the saxophone, all of it. So she shouts out the titles of a lot of songs. That's like a thing, and I feel like she released, before this, uh, she did like a Scott thing, right? She yeah. had like one single that was like yeah, a reggae kind of, single. Yeah. yeah. Right, a reggae. But she was this like 15 or something. Yeah. But shouting out a song is a very like ska band thing to do. Like one step beyond. Oh, that's right? true. Yeah. So the, true. She, There's a couple songs, I don't know if I'm right or not, but it sounds like she's counting off and it sounds like she's speaking German and she probably oh, is. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> Genetic engineering. Oh, yes. uh, well, yeah, there you go. All right. They loved those, the punks, the early punks, they had like a fascination with the Germans for some reason. Yeah. Doing yeah. That, but. Well, the Ramones, you know. I don't think, yeah. Yeah, it was just, uh, it was just, I think, to be shocking. Maybe. I don't think it. I don't think they're really Nazis. Um, so yeah, really uh, punk rock opening. I, I know I'm artificial, but don't put the blame on me. I was reared with appliances in a consumer society. When I put on my makeup, the pretty little mask, not me. 
That's the way a girl should be in a consumer society. So this is she's laying down the gauntlet. This, yeah, uh, totally. Mainly, the, the th- a lot of themes in this record is she's very anti anti consumerism. Right? Anti consumerism. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's a big uh, that's a big thing with her. And her outfits, or she made her own clothing, right, out of uh, various synthetic synthetic materials. materials yeah. <laughs> to make her point. Well, so she, so she kind of had like a love hate relationship I feel with like synthetic things and materials because she she wore it and she wore the day glow colors True. right well True. her whole thing I think she wanted to like counter like what the rest of the people were dressing like with the darker colors and the spikes and she's like oh, right, I, right, right, I want right. to wear all the colors and the bright stuff and the synthetic right. fabric yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay. because because that's what she liked because yeah. she loved it yeah um, so yeah, very anti-consumer, and and the right away the saxophone in it adds. And you, so you were playing saxophone yes. by then. Oh, so you were like so excited. This also, was, also this, sax. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. was your band, but you didn't keep it. You didn't keep up with the sax. No. Oh, you and you and Tim could have a could, could have a, a sax vocal duo now. Oh boy. <laughs> you don't want to hear me play sax. I would go see that. Well, it can't be worse than Tim screaming. Mitzi's on the stage. Tim is assaulting people in the audience. <laughs> what is he doing out there? Yeah, he's raising his arms like Il Duce. Oh, oh, he's he, he's on board. You're saying you're on board for the sax vocal yeah. duo, right? right? That's what he's There's saying. Many people have tried me to get me to play again. It's uh, not gonna happen. So. Uh, <laughs> and Barry, one thing about this song, did you notice? It's kind of it's very sophisticated because it's got it does have extra beat. Ex, yeah, it's got that extra thing yeah, in it, right? Got, and it's when I'm listening to it, up, you got to count it and be like, oh, I'm thinking if I was clever. playing this band, I would I would have to right. really think about that and yeah. play it right. Or you'd have to show the drummer how to play it. Yeah. Well, that was the one thing, too, that got me about it, is just how tight they were in comparison to their, like, peers at the time, They were, too. and if you look at the footage, they don't look quite as... They look more new wave than Absolutely. punk. Absolutely. Well, There's, she does say that, too, apparently. Right, She's yeah. Like, we're a new wave band. We're in a punk rock right. band. Right, yeah, because they, they didn't have the uh, quite the aggressive appearance, either, of a punk band. And the guy's playing a nice guitar too, which oh, I, know, he, I didn't notice. Yeah, that there's a, playing. some. He's playing like a Gibson RD, which is a brand new guitar. So oh. he obviously, the record company was like, "Here's your money," and he was like, "I'm going down to the, <laughs> to the guitar shop." I'm not getting an old. I'm not getting no, an old guitar. I'm getting a, a brand new guitar. Right. All right, so let's get into number two song on this record. <laughs> This got a Ramones thing going on. Yeah, and, and also, Barry, do you hear X? A little X? Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but X would have heard this. Right, right. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying they, yeah, they stole it from X, but yeah, yeah. All right, so, uh, and it's funny, like, Mitzi, when you hear this song, when you see Obsessed With You, wouldn't you think it's about someone obsessed with a boy or a girl or something like Absolutely, that? Absolutely, and it isn't. It's and it's all not, about, like, right? being obsessed with ads and consumerism Duh, again and yeah. you know, being force fed this like that's what's so that's propaganda what's so, right advertising propaganda <laughs> right you are just a concept you are just a dream you're just a reflection of the new regime you are just a symbol you are just a theme you're just another figure for the sales machine yep. So yeah, man, she was really she she was like a socialist. Like absolutely. <laughs> so like, like Steve, most she of these like songs Steve. are you know, <laughs> against the machine. <laughs> um. So yeah, and it's so in tune. It's so in tune with uh, with um today, like the consumerist culture and everything today, right? Well, it never went today. away. It was never. It's never. You know, there've been various attempts to uh, mitigate it, but. Yeah. Worry, yeah, worry, 
Now, when did the movie Warriors come out? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Because she sounds like... Oh, when, they're, when he's saying Warriors, come out to A little bit, Warriors. yeah. I wondered about that. Did and you get, were, you, were you into that movie, War? I feel like you would have liked that movie. Actually, well done. I figured, yeah. Why did I know that? Yeah. So, um, so this and this song is a completely different vibe now, right? Yeah, this is not this the aggro. Yeah, yeah, yeah this not. definitely goes way off base from what the rest of her songs are about. Apparently, she worked at a Woolworths as a typist. So, oh, okay, this I didn't was know like that. about her moonlighting with her nine to five job and then going out at night and like making the scene and doing a whole different thing at night. Right, because I was confused because <clears> I remember Woolworths from when I was a kid and then I was reading about well, there's it. There's the one here on, wasn't there one on South Beach on Lincoln Road? I feel well, they like? were all over. Yeah. They, were huge. they were the original was. Uh, yeah. five and dime, five right. and dime store. But yeah, they yeah. started like in 1879 in New York, in Utica, New York was the first one. But the and the, and these these two brothers, the Woolworth brothers, they pioneered and developed merchandising, direct purchasing, sales and customer service practices. That are, so they were like the beginning of all this. So she obviously was already at that point keyed in to uh, to Woolworth. So I, I I wonder who what she's singing about though, because um, the only other thing I remember from Woolworths and Barry, you may remember this, although it happened right. in the '60s that. Uh, the, Sit-in, that famous picture in Oh, right, Woolworth. yeah, yeah, sure. They had the sit-in right, that the, was in the, uh, the, uh, North Carolina, uh, right, in uh, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Civil rights movement, yes. Yeah, yeah, these four African-American students went, sat down at the lunch counter at Woolworths, and they were told uh, that they couldn't get served there, and they refused to leave, and they sat there peacefully, and it was sort of a, it sort of spearheaded this whole uh, youth-led movement to challenge uh, racial inequality, and that happened in Woolworth. Um, I think... This is about her just witnessing some punk rock guy in a Woolworths in England. Somewhere. Raging through a Woolworths. Yeah, like, or just being in like Woolworths. Like a Walmart, like punks in Walmart no, Going in to buy some gum oh. or shoplift or whatever he's going to do. <laughs> but, you know, um, Warrior and Woolworths dips on Friday nights. Youths meet at Stockwell Tube. Weapons rule their lives. He's the rebel on the underground. She's the rebel of the modern town. But, you know, they're still in Woolworths. They're still part of that machine, you know? Right, because they have to go get their you have whatever. You right, you know, buy condoms and candy and, right, you know. Condoms and candy. Uh, what Paracetamol, <laughs> um, I think, is the British version of that Tylenol. Is the, that is the, the painkiller there, that's right. Right, so, um, you and know. The, and the last Woolworths uh, I, I was in the UK, so I just read t- 2009. All right, so let's get into song number four. This is called Let's Submerge. This song to me sounds very, very um, uh, bikini kill. I can I, I hear it right. Yeah. It does, I, her voice does for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, I hear that. Uh, and um, they, I love, uh, Barry, did you notice they like name check New York people? Richard Hell, yeah, yeah. for sure, yeah. The, the Hades ladies are dressed to kill dagger glares from Richard Hell. Tension heightening, heating frightening. Thunder rolls as fast as lightning. When I was wondering, thunder, maybe that's a little homage to Johnny Thunders, too. Oh, yeah, it could be. So you think that she's reading uh, Roxane magazine or. Uh, um, well, or they rating? actually. But they did. Did you see they, they spent did, time in New York? Or, they did yeah. a, like, residency at CBGB's for. Oh, really? Like, yeah, for like a week. 
Um, they didn't get all their shit stolen and have to... Before this record came out, yeah. And it was it actually, yeah, it was one of the things that kind of broke her. Yeah, I guess whole... it really affected her her time in New York City. From, it did, uh, really? Yeah. yeah, she had like her breakdown not too long after that and them returning from there, I believe, so... So yeah, the, she definitely um, saw these punk, uh, these punks in New York and they weren't... Because I think to her, it was... Uh, it was always uh, like a fun, more of like a fun freedom thing, and she felt like some of these people were taking it Probably all really heavy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little too well, seriously. The drug, you know, there was heavy drugs yes, yeah, on the yeah. New York punk scene, so. Right. It was, yeah, it probably freaked, it freaked her the fuck out. Uh, oh, look, we got uh, celebrities out in the audience. <laughs> is that Mark Dubin? It is. He's hiding behind <laughs> a pole so you can't see him. <laughs> and Ken Hosker. Oh, look at that. Oh, all the, all the stars are out tonight. All right, I think this is a good time. We have, to go, we have to say hi to our celebrity guests, and then we'll be back in a minute with more of I'll that record leave. got me. Holly Styrene of X-Ray Specs, in her own words, presented by That Record Got Me High and Is This Tomorrow? Is This Tomorrow is a weekly webcomic cataloging the absurdities taking place at the Zorro News Channel. That's Is This Tomorrow at isthistomorrow.com since 1993. At one stage, I mean, I was much more absorbed by being polystyrene and playing that role because I liked the character and I thought it was fun, but now I'm not into it that so I'm much more like just marrying Elliot. Now I'm testing the Electrolux Automatic 345. It does want no other. My mind is like a plastic bag that corresponds to all those ads. It sucks up all the rubbish that is fed in through by ear. I eat Kleenex for breakfast and use soft hygienic Weetabix to dry my tears. Whatever you're buying for your home, look in yellow pages first. You'll find what you're looking for so much quicker. I got my name from the yellow pages. I'm a poser and I don't care. I like to make people stare. I'm just going here. When I was about five or six, I used to have a big trunk and all the clothes in there used to come from jumble sales. I used to play dressing up. And used to make up about my powder paints. Where's the happiness in your life gone? That's good, that's good. Right. That I like. Good. Now you've got that naughty look, you see. <laughs> see, that's what I was after. <laughs> now, if you could stop and stamp and turn and face me. I am a poser and I don't care. I like to make people stare. My facade is just a fake. Shock, horror, no escape. That record got me high. Once again, that is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. And we are here live at Laser Wolf. Let's hear it, everyone, for Laser Wolf and our host, Chris Bellis. And we have our special guest, Mitzi. Mitzi Velez. And uh, we're talking about uh, germ-free adolescence, X-ray specs. Uh, we just heard 
I can't do anything is the next song. Does the beginning of that battery, the beginning of that remind you of the that definitely remind me of like a clash song. It sounds like a chords from like a clash song. Could like be, yeah. From, there's, like give them enough rope or if something. There's, yeah, I mean that reminded me a lot of like sixties girl pop. Sixties oh when she starts singing and yeah, everything. Yeah, girl yeah, right, group right. Stuff. Uh, it's, it's the big train. And so I feel like this song, the lyrics are maybe not as serious. Yeah, it's kind of hard to read what they're about. Like, like is it about I can't, well, she's saying, low self-esteem or like... Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it shifts gears in the chorus, and I have no idea what she's trying to say in the chorus. Freddie, all right, so in the chorus, she, she's talking about things. I can't write, and I can't sing, I can't do anything, I can't read, and I can't spell, can't even get to hell. But then the chorus comes in, and Freddie tried to strangle me with my plastic popper beads... But I hit him back with, with my, my pet rat. rat. And and what's the best thing about this song? The way she rolls the R's in rat every time, rat. right? Rat. Right. <laughs> Can you do that, Mitzi? Can you roll your R's? Rat. There you go. Yeah, so that's it. So that's like, I love that. Every time she, and she, she commits to it because she does it every time in the song. She rolls the R's in rat. But I, I don't know. I can, uh, it's it's a fun, yeah, this is sounds more like a 60s Like a straight up, like, just pop song. Yeah, it's a pop song. Yeah. There's nothing deep. I don't think no. there's anything deep going on. Compared right? to everything else on the album, this is definitely the most like superficial for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Filler. <laughs> right, so we've, we've established this song as filler, but this next song we're getting to now is definitely not filler. in the mirror do you see yourself do you see yourself on the tv screen do you see yourself in the magazine this is this is like what the, what the heaviest song on the record for me right yeah i'd actually um read that the what's influenced or uh, inspired the song was i don't know what band the woman was from but apparently somebody at the roxy had like attempted to commit suicide in the bathroom and she walked and she in on her yeah. and she was like trying to slit her wrists yeah, in the bathroom the glass right? from the mirror so that wow yeah that's really <laughs> heavy yeah that's heavy that's heavy shit when you see yourself, does it make you scream? Identity is the crisis, can't you see? When you look in the mirror, do you smash it quick? Do you, yeah, she says, do you take the glass and you slash your wrist? Uh, did you do it for fame? Did you do it in a fit? Did you do it before you read about it? Which I always thought that was, that lyric's super curious, because, like, did you do it before you read about it? Yeah, well, that's it. But you know what? It seems now, like, you know now when you hear about, like, these copycat suicides Absolutely. and stuff? Kids, now, what, though, right? For now. back then, it's a little, like... But this, but yeah. oh, she's like a way ahead of her time. I know. When I was, when was Sid and Nancy? When was Nancy Spongin and Sid Vicious and the and the that whole uh, thing? Was that was that a little bit later? It might have been around this time. I'm gonna say yeah. 78. Yeah, I was kind of because of 78, right? Yeah, and um, I was wondering if that uh, played into this a little bit. Um, and it's also this song's got the heavy Roxy music sax going on again like uh, um, that's definitely the musically the one of the things that 
you know, that sax. Is See, just... I wouldn't have thought about that until you said it, but then it makes me think of like remake, remodel, and exactly. all those songs. Exactly. Right. Now yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I didn't yeah. either. Yeah, Barry's good at that. Yeah. He comes up with these. When you look in the mirror, do you see yeah. yourself? Now, speaking of saxophone, uh, there was something that we did not bring up that we definitely should. Was that Mitzi aside? Well, Mitzi, tell us what you do now. You're your hairstylist. I'm a hairstylist now. And yeah. where do you where do you, where are you at right now? I work now? at a salon called Salon Mix and TV. There you go. But in in the 90s, we, she did mention that she played saxophone, but she did not mention that she played saxophone in a legit ska band. <laughs> right. Uh, Called, what was the name of the band? Jive Step Bunch. Say it again. So Jive Step Bunch. She was jive in the Jive Step, Step Bunch. Bunch. I didn't know that, and right. I know the Jive. I don't even, I don't For even how long? like four ska. Years? I know About that. four years, yeah. 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 And you played with what kind of band? What bands did you guys open up for? Oh, we opened up for the business when they came here for the first time to Florida. We opened up for like all the, pretty much all the Moon Records bands that came down here in the 90s. So the Toasters, the Scofflaws. We played a lot with uh, Less Than Jake. Uh, Less than we used Jake. to play yeah, with them Less all the time. I always know? get Jive Step Bunch and Less Than Jake confused. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we used to play, we played with them all the time. Right, so, I used yeah. to get confused. But I oh, they no- way surpassed, you know, they blew up, so. I had no idea yeah. of that, though. Did you have any idea, Barry? No. no. You hit us with some sordid backstage scog th- tales that, you know. You got anything? <laughs> any witness to any sort of, like, hijinks? A little bit of antics with Mickey Fitz from the business, for uh, sure, okay. after. Not yeah. not personally, but witnessing that. But, you know, uh, rest yeah. in peace. He was an awesome dude. But. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. That's cool. I, see, I, I already thought you were cooler than Tim, but now you're, like, way cooler than Tim. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Don't tell him that. <laughs> Oh, he, he's out there. He hears it right now. <laughs> so let's get in. Now we're going to flip. If you had, So did you ever have this on vinyl? Did you end up buying it on vinyl? I actually own it on four different ways on vinyl uh-huh. now. That's uh-huh. great. See, you're, you're a fan. That's Big great. Big fan. Like, yeah. I think I own every format of this album possible, CD, every That's... vinyl edition. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. the original <laughs> record, at this point, you would flip it over for side B, right. and you'd get this song right here, which starts out with the aforementioned. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if that was me making it up in my head. Okay, go. Oh no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And believe me, as a Jew, I get nervous whenever I hear that counted in German. There's that sax man. Telling you, it's Roxy music. So this, this... Or Eno's first album. Oh, yeah, see, I'm not, uh, I'm not that hip to that. What is Eno's first album? Like, what's the Here Come the, the Warm Jets. Oh, okay, I don't know that. I, sh- I should listen to that. It's a great album. Can we, is it like, is it, is it, it's instrumental though, right? No. no. Oh, it's not? I don't know. What, I don't it's know. It's a really good Oh, wait, album. is that up Needle in the Camel's Eye? Yes. yes. Oh, I do actually Paul know Paul. that. <laughs> yeah, it's got... <laughs> Never uh, mind. Baby's I, on Fire. Oh, yeah, that, that's a great record. I'm sorry. I don't know what Driving Me Backwards. It's got uh, Dead Thinks Don't Talk, which is about Brian Ferry. All right, so um, eventually we're going to do, we should, we'll do that record, right? Somebody's got to pick it. Somebody's got to pick it. Uh, all right, do so a Brian Eno record. So this, the lyrics in this, this is the classic science. Not an scientist, ambient record. Scientists <laughs> shouldn't mess with uh, Mother Nature. Yeah, this is the scariest right? of all the songs, I think, personally. Yeah. It is, yeah, it is scary, right? Yeah. It's talking about what happens when science takes over and when you push the boundaries of like cloning and what can happen. Well, and, what is the movie Boys from Brazil? 
I'm going to try to... That was about cloning Hitler, right? They had yes. a clone of Hitler. Or they had a bunch of clones of Hitler. They right? did. Uh, yeah. Right. I've so, never seen that. Um, oh, it's great. You, you guys would love it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah. It's a, it's kind of cheesy, but it's good. It's good. Right. Yeah. Good cheesy. Good cheesy. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It's so very tempting. Will biologists resist? When he becomes the creator, will he let us exist? Bionic Man is jumping. Uh, we got Lee Majors through the television set. He's about to materialize, and guess who's coming next? I'm guessing that uh, you know um, the stormtroopers next out of the TV set. Um, so yeah, I think that um, apparently that you know the Chinese may have cloned some human embryos. Oh really? I didn't yeah, yeah. They don't have any sort of. They don't have the kind of legal constraints that we do. Um, so. So one other thing I noticed in this, which a lot, a lot of her songs, but in this song in particular, is she hits some notes, some amazingly high notes. And do you notice one thing about her? She never sings falsetto. She sings full right, on. Right, her voice. So when yeah, she yeah. hits those high notes, she She's hits them full it. on. And yeah. That is like, it's like amazing. I think and she was like opera trained. She was, right? Yeah, point. she was. Yeah, oh, yeah, really? She was an opera trained singer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. And uh, and you see, there's some live when you see live. She made up stories her about her dad really being good. a Somali prince, but he actually just worked down at the docks, right? I think that was the story about her dad. All I found was that he was a so, disenfranchised Somali aristocrat. That's all well, I know, but I, it, which I don't know it, what that even means. It, well, that was her that was story. her story, and the, the actual story was he was just a, got, a Somali guy that worked down at the docks. So she needed a, a more a more compelling backstory for her dad. Yeah, that sounds better. <laughs> Okay, so now we get into this next song here, uh, which is song number eight. It's called I Live Off You. Let me ask you, if, if we gave you a saxophone, would you be able to play that right now? Nope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we gave you a week to practice, could you make it? I think in a week, maybe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it might not sound as tight, but... <laughs> this, is a, this is a good song. I really like this song. It's really catchy, but I like the uh, I like the the theme of it, too, because it perfect. this song perfectly encapsulates, which is her views on, like, exploitation. Absolutely. And this well, it's just the way the world chain. works. Yeah. 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 Uh, right. The weird food chain. Uh, cat ate the rat while the pimp beat the whore. whore. And she just screams out for more and more. Uh, yeah. The lyrics are really. Well, there's a. Yeah. There's a lyric from the Three Penny Opera where he goes, um, basically, before you're going to start preaching, you got to feed every feed the bellies. You got to feed the hungry bellies before you start uh, dishing out your um, your bullshit. So, Yeah. Everybody, you got to be exploited, but there's a one hand washes the other, and the you know the cat eats the rat. I live off you, and you live off me, and the whole world lives off everybody. It's a very it's a very dark view of the world. Just more right? more consumerism. Well, it's yeah. also I mean it's also looking at you know people you have to you have to eat other living organisms even if you're a vegetarian. You have to eat something that was alive. You can't eat something that was never alive and survive. That it's just the process of in, of living involves eating other living things, whether you're at some level. So, and socially, I think that's the same thing. You got like you know, in social, you know, uh, there's circles. There's a kind of feeding pattern that happens as well, which she mentioned. You know, yeah, um, like Missy Missy's beer was empty, and Chris. 
ran to get her another beer. No, he just so. did that. He did that because he's a nice guy. Because he didn't do that because he because he, he had to. That's right. He he kind of had to though. I've I've seen Mitzi. If, if you don't bring her a beer. Tim. Oh yeah, that's true. All right. Let's get into the next song. This song is called. I really like. I just love the the title of this song. I'm poser. Really good riff, right? Just a good punk, like punk riff there. <laughs> yeah, but I think she's. I'm opposing. I don't care. I like to make people stare. Um, exhibition is the name. Voyeurism is the game. Stereoscopic is the show. You've got two eyes. Viewing time makes it grow, uh, grow, grow, grow. Which she could be talking about. You know, a lot of things. Um, but she's uh, talking about attention. You know, people, how they get attention, and and. Uh, the, the, you're a poser and you don't care because you're getting attention. Yeah, here's my look. Here's my outfit. Right. Yeah. right. And I think this song, my especially, it reminds you what you were talking about when she played in CBGB's and she saw all these punk people sort of out to, you know, out to shock and out to that. And I think that's what she's talking about here. It's kind of like an indictment of the punk scene when, it, when it's more about fashion and shock value than ideas. Yeah, I right? agree, 100%. This is straight up about image and, you Right, know, exactly, exactly. What you present and put out. And yeah. My, and my facade is just a fake shock horror, no escape, oh, sensationalism for the feed. Characters, caricatures are what you breed. Uh, yeah, so, and maybe the punk scene also, I think, by that point, had started. Remember that it would have started in around 75. There's been a couple of years for the, the first gen of the, you know, the, the real people the originators to sort of either go on to other things you know john lyden 78 he's doing pil already and then you've got um people who are moving into the scene that see it as a fun sort of escapist way to you know be something other than you know a boring teenager instead of someone who had some real convictions it's just like oh i can dress up like this and this is cool and um, like us basically you know (laughs) posers Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a, there's like there's some good interviews. She she did. There's not many in interview, but there's some good interviews. And I and I found one where she was talking about specifically playing at CBGBs, and she said, for them, it 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 wasn't a joke. It, it was the way they lived for real. For me, it was all a joke. Um, play with it, indulge it, have fun, because it was not really that much of it over here. But when you go there, she's talking about New York, it's so bad that you think, God, if that's what it's going to be like, I don't want it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think when she came back from there, she was already kind of thinking... It's like a harsh dose of reality coming back from that almost. Right. Yeah, New York yeah. in the 70s, you know. Mm, New York yeah. in the 70s. It's a rough 70s. place. Right, a rough right. place. And, you yeah. know. and she was wearing her bright Dago yeah. stuff. And Nobody she was, there was yeah. all dark and spiky. And right. Heroined right, right, out, right. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> that time, right. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> that was the scene, you know. Um, but that is, that's a great song. And you, now, were you getting all, now, 
at the time when you got this, were you, do you feel like you you were getting all this or you just no, you loved it? No, no. I mean, I got a little bit of it, but I definitely right. was a kid, so I wasn't like taking, I didn't really understand the like gravity of what she was talking about. Until, right. But there's some, know, many years later. But there's something about her personality and her voice that kind of gets over, even if you don't know exactly what she's saying, right? I mean, yeah. it's just sort of, yeah. yeah. For sure. I mean, she was super powerful even then, like not even knowing in depth what she was talking about, but she was just so like commanding. Yeah. Without just being commanding without there being any feminine, like just being a person that was commanding, having nothing to do with her gender or right. anything. She right. was just so powerful, you know? Yeah. 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 So that's cool. That, I mean, that, that's a great thing for a girl, young girl to see someone like that. Yeah. Cause I was like that, at that, you know? that, that same point, it was so important because I was super awkward and I was like just out of puberty and not like really grasping you know being a woman either and it was like right. kind of like oh no i don't want to be sexualized i'm gonna wear the biggest clothes in the world and wear my hair really short so boys don't look at me and you know it was the same kind of like it was simpatico for for when i first heard it because i'm like oh i totally get this you right know? that's cool all right this uh this next song is my favorite my favorite one on the record and it doesn't really sound like anything else on the record Mm-mm. right this song this is the title track germ-free adolescence Because then you were still, you were like a hardcore kid and yes. into punk. So did you appreciate it as much then, you think, this song? This song? Not as much. Now I do. Because right? there's that little bit of like, I don't know if she intended it to sound like her obsessive compulsive disorder or something right. about being yeah. a germaphobe. But yeah. like now as an adult, sure. I can sympathize with that. Right. Oh, bit, right, right. You know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like being a neat freak. Oh, you're super clean. All right, cool. You know, we can hang out. You're right. yeah. germy and weird. So when she's singing... <laughs> Scrub away, scrub away, scrub away. The SR way. That's actually uh, that's a toothpaste. The SR way, and that was their slogan. Scrub away, oh, the SR way. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't know that either. I looked it up, but it was it was a, a <laughs> British like toothpaste ad slogan. You make it. To Everybody is waking up to give SR. Everybody is taking up tingling fresh SR. Healthy tingle. It tells you brushing with SR protects your teeth and gums. Everybody is waking up to tingling fresh SR. SR for teeth and gums. Have you woken up to it? You may get to touch her if your gloves are sterilized. Rinse your mouth with Listerine. Blow disinfectant in her eyes. Um, yeah, she's her phobia is oh, infection. Oh yeah, this, read yeah. The, this line right here. Read this again. She right needs one to survive. It's her built-in protection. She without fear, she'd give up and die. Yeah, so, so it's her. It's so, her. her. So it's germophobia. almost like she's saying her germophobia is protecting her from things, yeah. other things aside right, from Right, then you don't germ, have to worry about other stuff. Which makes you wonder later, you know, fighting about her mental state and all that. If this was actually personal, or if this was an observation. Right. You know? Right. 
Yeah, because she <clears throat> she said she said she would uh, see things that weren't there. She right. would hallucinate and everything. But that's the that's the thing that makes someone like probably a great artist, but maybe also is there because they're kind of loopy, you know. Yeah, I think that she was definitely, um, if you, you know, you see interviews with her, and there's a great interview with her um, on YouTube. I'll put some excerpts of that in the show, um, because... There are certain times when you think, oh, you just want to hide, you know, you just don't want people to start looking at you or see you or anything like that. You just want to be on your own. I mean, it isn't normal for people to be surrounded with people telling them that they're great. That isn't a normal situation. Most people do not get that. It isn't normal to be up on stage and people jumping all over you and ripping your clothes off. That isn't a normal thing for anybody to take. And then you get people coming backstage as well, and then you get people coming to your house, and then you get people trying to break in, and then you just get people surrounding you all the time and you just are never on your own, and that's just not normal. So therefore, you just say, go away, I don't want to see anybody. And because they expect you, they think you're a performer, and you're supposed to be this sort of thing that does all these, you know, entertains everybody, they think that that's, uh, then you must be having a nervous breakdown because you don't want to see anybody. But you're not, you're just being perfectly normal. Just saying, you know, I want to be by myself. Because it's a it's a whole like thirty minute thing on BBC just about polystyrene, and um, you know she definitely her unique perspective came at a cost of being you know having some legitimate issues that sometimes artists you know that's how it works yeah. to be an artist to have that perspective means having that additional burden of of. Um, Maybe having, you know, some sort of mental yeah, it's illness. It's interesting that this all makes you think about it now because she kept that so secret, you know, for so long. And all these things about her mental state are only coming out now, right. years right. later after her death. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> her daughter, they were making a documentary. Is the documentary yeah. the out? The book still... actually comes out, I think, soon. And then the documentary, I still think, is in process because it was crowdfunded. Yeah. But the book, I think it's due. There's a release date. I want to say it's coming out within like the next month or so. Oh, cool. There's the book and then the, the documentary that right. like, corresponds yeah. to it. excited? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right? All right. So let's get into uh, song number 11 here. This one's called Plastic Bag. Just hang out with her when you hear her, <laughs> right? I just want to ask her about the Weedabix. Oh, right, yeah. What's what's the line she says there? I, I, I use soft, soft hygienic, hygienic Weedabix. Weedabix. <laughs> Which, have you guys ever had Weedabix? Yeah, yeah. It's a I gigantic 
a gigantic, bar. It's like a gigantic wheat, uh, like what? Wheat thin, mini like wheat. on crack, but gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> I had it for the first time ever when we were in London in February, and I'm like, this is the grossest thing I've it's ever. It's gross. Had. Yeah, I've heard that. Oh really? <laughs> oh, it's so I thought gross. it was like wheat. I thought no. I mean, no, I just it's remember. like a cereal bar, but I get it tastes like grape nuts. Like it's just. Oh uh, like, okay. It's really dry, right? Oh, it's really dry, and apparently an English friend of mine's like, no, you're supposed to eat it with like milk and yeah, no, it's cereal. Which you, I didn't know that. You put it in a bowl and pour milk. Yeah, I didn't know just that. Just like a mini wheat, yeah. <laughs> I just ate it straight from the box. Like, this and, is and gross. Tim's like, we could probably pour beer on it's it. It's actually that would his fault. He grabbed them, so. Yeah. The Weetabix. Because this song reminds me of Dr. Feelgood. That's oh, why I is, was. Is um, just, just for the record, I grabbed the Weetabix, and she asked why I was grabbing the Weetabix. And I said, we might need these for strength later. Yeah. And she scoffed at me. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> And you did, right? You needed them. They're probably still at my house. (laughs) They're pretty gross. No, it's just cereal. No, you really, you put it sugar and milk just like American cereal and you break it up in a bowl. I mean, it was free. Why was it yeah, free? I think you were just trying to We were in Paris. <laughs> Why were French people giving you free typical English Ameri- no, They typical. didn't like it. No, 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 no. Typical they American. They were not into you it. They were grabbing the everything. breakfast in England, and we took it on the train with us to Paris. So that's, that's where we actually... Story. And it ended up here. <laughs> yeah. So you imported food <laughs> illegally to the United States? I'm illegal. Mark, would you do oh, us a I favor see. and get Tim off the mic now? Do you... <laughs> <laughs> you grab. Wait, you put it here. You guy. put it here. Grab another guy to help you pull him off the mic. <laughs> uh, this song, the uh, the sax saxophone really drives this song. Yeah. Know? Plus, there's like the guitar has got um, it's got like a single guitar line thing that sounds like Bill Manzanera from Roxy. So I'm gonna go again with. Oh, okay. The, so the, they're, the, they're probably Roxy fans. Right? I would think that they're Roxy and Doctor Feelgood fans because. It just had that that pub rock feel at the beginning, the, the boogie Phil, feel. Doctor Feelgood's like the, the go-to band. I think a lot of early punk bands. Well, yeah, they were, like the proto, you know, they, they were, were like the proto before, band. Right? Yeah. yeah, they were, you know, the one one ers Joe Strummer's band, Doctor Feelgood. Those guys were uh, right. Exactly, Strangers were around um, before, from like '74. Yeah. yeah, right. Look at you, Mitzi, throwing out these old. You're too young to know all this. I did a record store for years. Oh yeah, that's right, you did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you worked at Radioactive Records yes. for like four years, yes. right? All right, so let's get to the uh, the final song on this record, the final song proper, because they released they re-released this record a bunch right, of times, like yeah, a bunch of times, extra tracks. and they kept yes. adding stuff. Yeah. But this is the final song on the record proper, and it's a great song called "The Day the World Turned Gayglow." She's singing about like synthetic uh, materials and Dayglo, but I feel like she's got like a love-hate relationship with it, you know? Because is it like? Well, I feel like this song was maybe after she experienced her first hallucinations. Oh, yeah, it could be for okay, sure. Okay. For, That's when definitely. When you read the lyrics, and you know, apparently, I, think you're right. I don't know what show it was, but she had like a breakdown where she like hallucinated some pink some pink UFOs, pink UFOs right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like after that, no, I, I think her that. mom. That was when the, she got committed. Right. That holds. Oh, and, okay. Yep. Okay. So this might have been when things started getting a little weird for her. Or maybe. I'm not an actress, so. That's something else on stage, I'm one thing, and off stage, I'm something else. 
but most people are not. They just perform all the time. I just consider myself as a person first and anything else what anybody else might call you well. They're just names really, aren't they? Just given to trends and people and things like that. It's dark and eerie and it's really late. Come on, kids, don't hesitate. We're going down to the underground. The subterrain is a bottomless pit. The vinyl vultures are after it. Molten lava, sulfur vapours smoulder on to obliterate us. If you got the urge, come on, let's emerge. Or maybe they were always weird for her, right. and it just got to the point where it was un- uh, out of her control. Right. You know, and you can you can see it in the song, just the lyrics. Oh, are yeah, yeah, there, very psychedelic, know? crazy. And Barry, did you notice one thing in this song? One line or two lines in particular: the the X-rays were penetrating through the latex breeze. Synthetic fiber, see-through leaves fell from the rayon trees. Yeah, there you go. Who does that remind you of? What does that remind you of? She's singing about. Uh, big plastic trees. Ah, uh, there 30 we go. Thirty years York. before yeah, Tom right. York. Okay. I right. wonder if Tom like like this Probably and heard, heard that. This. Right? Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> that's exactly what she's singing about: fake plastic trees. Yeah. Yep. That is true. That the rayon trees. That jumped out to me. Um, oh, so Polly, she actually has this quote about the song. But me and Barry have always said a lot of times artists themselves aren't a good. Um, uh, they're not a good judge of their, their own. Their own, no, no. Never listen to what the band says about the performance. <laughs> because sometimes, or yeah, never. Okay, so the record we did last week, Voivod, is a fantastic album by the band Voivod. But apparently in their, uh, their oeuvre, it's considered like inferior because it's, it didn't have some of the sort of the thrash metal qualities that their other records did. And, it's, and, and so it's actually pretty it's much more listenable and attracted a much larger audience but that's now perceived as a negative that's why it's unavailable it's ah, because okay. uh, all right so polystyrene herself talking about this song says most people thought the song was about tripping but i was using images of artificiality i grew up in a generation where all we had was brown paper bags in the local store but gradually everything became more colorful day clothes symbolized the shift from natural to synthetic so yeah, uh, but I think bags. Yeah, yeah, but she's but but you're right, Missy. I think because this is her giving her take on it, but also I think there was there was more going yeah. on. Like she was, you know, uh, she was she's seeing, seeing some stuff that wasn't there. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that she was actually yeah legit hallucinating. Yeah. And, and you know that's that's you know I, I have some close family a close family member that has had that issue, and uh, it's a little freaky when that happens. Yeah. Um, but that's it. That's the last song of the record. And uh, Mitzi, thank you so much thank for coming. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you have a good time coming I on? I did. You're, for now thank on, you. only you. No Tim, no Tim, no more guests. <laughs> only Mitzi as a guest. Yeah. Uh, no, you were great. And uh, this is a great record. I didn't... I, uh, Barry, you... Uh, did you really know a lot about this record until you dug in it? Because I didn't... I remembered some songs and everything, but I... For, I Actually, I bought, I bought one of the reissues in the 2000s. And so I did have or do have the record... And so I had listened to it. Um, I didn't investigate the, you know, any deeper than, oh. And then uh, I think actually I went exploring on YouTube. And if you go, some of their live performances, there's one, it's listed as like a rehearsal. And they're playing some sort of a, con- in sort of a concrete wall. And it's very compelling. It's really good. And you're like, wow, this is really special. And there was definitely something totally unique about this band. 
which probably is the same reason they didn't last, is that there was a lot of, you know, there's this incredibly creative individual in charge of it. And, um, you know, she, the pressure was obviously way too much. Way too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially at such a young you know, age. Yeah, right, you're right. She can't, at a certain point, you know, she's not able to go out in public and just do stuff. Right, because it makes you wonder if that pushed her towards like the hair cushion. I, I wondered that know. myself. If, oh, right, if that was right. sort of the obvious pushed her in that direction, you know, um, sort of a security of this group that was more you're more generic. You know, yeah. you shave your head and it's all you about the group robes. and not about indi- your individual uh, self. For real, for, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's where Dubin's gonna. That's how Mark Dubin's gonna end up. Yeah, gonna, he, it's Kari Christian. Christian's <laughs> nothing to do with Mark Dubin. He's wearing the he's wearing the sandals already. <laughs> All right, so what are we doing next week, Barry? Um, we are going to go down. I believe we're going to drive down to uh, Miami, down to the South Beach to Rat Bastards. Next week? I, I guarantee you Rat doesn't know anything about it. He does. He I no, just, but I, I bet he forgot. Did you I told him, yeah, you know, I've been talking about it with him. Uh, Nick Drake, uh, five leaves left with Rat Bastard, which is an odd choice. You know, uh, International Noise Conference, Rat Bastard. And uh, he's going to do this very uh, gentle record by this very gentle soul, Nick Drake. <laughs> and Rat is not a gentle soul. <laughs> well, I think it's in there. You know what? Do you? I, okay. Yeah, I do. Right. I think he's not. A, I, I think he forgot all about it. But we'll see. Maybe we'll be doing that okay. next week. We'll see. But Mitzi, once again, thank you very much for thank being you our guys. guest. Don't forget, everyone. Uh, you could go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh and become a patron of our show. Thank you for listening. Share us to all your friends. Uh, we love you all. Once again, that's uh, that's Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. Yes. And we apologize, and we'll see you guys next week. Hoping to keep sun from his eyes. He's from the city. Down to the cave In search of a master In search of a slave